0: Hello, everyone. This is Ari in the Air. Welcome back to the podcast. Stoked you're here today. I am back home in Bend, Oregon, after a three-week trip to Utah for paragliding and base jumping and visiting friends and healing old wounds. I'm so grateful for all of those people that I saw, some of which who are avid listeners of said podcast. And today I have a recording with Lubomir Arsov. I just listened back to this recording, and there were some things that just smacked me in the head harder now than they did in the initial recording, but Lubomir is a animator and an illustrator. He's an artist, and he uses that medium to tell a story that is so profound in its scope that I cannot describe. I can't... I can't tell you about it. I need you to watch it. So I'm going to have the link to this film. It's called In Shadow, and it's been viewed nearly 5 million times on YouTube. I need you to watch this before you listen to this podcast. It will help immensely to understand what we're talking about, as well as give you a very visceral experience for the things that we're talking about the meta crisis the the experience of dealing with our own shadows the experience of dealing with collective shadow the way that shadow shows up in our society and this is so important and as i listened back to this recording right now i just i heard him say why it was so important and it's not he doesn't say it exactly in this context but what he says is essentially that even though dealing with our shadow is painful even though it sucks to touch it and it might make us feel uncomfortable shameful even disgusted we have to do it because without mapping out this lower negative dark disgusting parts of ourselves and of consciousness at large we can't map the entire spectrum of this experience of what it's like to be alive and we end up losing our ability to map the higher aspects of ourselves and our consciousness it's almost like the idea that to be able to fully experience joy you have to be able to fully experience pain To be able to look fully at your shadow is to be able to unlock the ability to look fully at your light. It reminds me of Carl Jung saying that if you want your branches to reach into heaven, then your roots must reach into hell. Amen. This episode, I just want to encourage you To look at your shadow it is hard at first and it gets easier because i think that what you end up finding is yourself what you end up finding is existence what you end up finding is the universe it is merely more fractal more fractal more fractal we have to open our eyes to the entire spectrum of experience the positive and the negative It is through being able to open to the negative that we open ourselves to the positive. And that is such a beautiful, beautiful lesson that Lubomir so incredibly articulately and gently tells in this podcast. And it is something that he tells in the film in a way that is not gentle. It is a way that is unrelenting. It is so incredibly direct and it is so powerful uh, it is one of the greatest illustrations of the Metacrisis I have seen. It's the probably the best description of the Metacrisis I've experienced because it is without words. It is so beautiful. So um, I hope that you'll watch Lubomir's film. It's 13 minutes and the link is in the description below. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with him. He's a very amazing person. I was so grateful to be recommended to him through Peter Lindbergh and Daniel Kazangian, of which he is real friends with in Toronto. And those men come so highly recommended on this podcast. Each has been on here three times or so. If you scroll back you'll see conversation with both of those badass dudes. So five minute intro. I'm very excited about this, and I'm so grateful for Lubo. Um, please consider supporting this podcast on Patreon. I'm having a big push. I want fucking podcasting to be my thing. I love this show so much. If you like it, please share it. Please become a patron on Patreon. Uh, that's patreon.com slash in the air. Links in the description below. Without further ado, here's my conversation with the Lubomir Arsov. so much for being here
1: thanks for having me Ari
0: okay so I would encourage anyone that hasn't seen in shadow to watch it I think that will help because I'm gonna assume that they have um I would love to, I just as a, yeah, I went to college for ceramics I was in the art program so just as the like the artist workflow I'm curious like how long How long did that 13-minute film take you to make?
1: Mm-hmm. It's difficult to quantify because of the um, dispersed moments of activity. Uh-huh. But from beginning to end, when I decided to actually make it to the end, I released it was about three years. I took a year off to get all the illustrations done, um, which then were, you know, quote-unquote, animated. The technical term is composited because we didn't really animate anything. So that took some time. In addition to the editing at the end, which I did. So, yeah, from beginning to end, about three years on and off.
0: Okay. That's a lot of time. It, yeah. it, sh- it shows up. You can tell. And all of the illustrations and animations are your own? They are. Yeah. Okay. So you you wrote it, directed it, illustrated it, and animated it.
1: Kind of animated. I had two wonderful men help me with that, um, Sheldon and Haram. So, they basically the process is called compositing. It's not very, it's not a common term, but it's, you know, quote unquote animating. And so, all the motions, a lot of the effects you see are then based on my direction and working together.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So, watching it is as we were talking before we recorded obviously there's always something that happened before we started recording that was important. We have to go back to, um, I told you that it was disturbing that it landed in a, in a very real way, a very visceral way. And I sense that that's the point. Certainly. So I would love to, what is the power of this? There's a you You seem to work in a very specific medium here. Hmm. Um, what is its power?
1: Uh, so by specific medium, do you mean animation or is it the way I use animation?
2: You know I don't know. Hmm.
0: I'm not sure I'm not sure what about that made it so powerful to watch i'm not exactly sure i'm not sure if it's the animation i know that there's a couple things that stick out to me about it is that it is a film but it has no words Mm -hmm. it has only one title right it's like in shadow is the only title in the thing
3: Mm -hmm.
0: it doesn't have any narration it has no lyrics it has no languaging of any kind there's not any there's no words on any of the um concepts that are being put forth here like the red box that surrounds the character's head doesn't have words on it Mm -hmm. so it's all it's in a different part of our heads than language
3: yeah absolutely And,
0: and so as a filmmaker myself i know the power like like As we call it movie magic, I I also call that mind control. Because if I make a good sequence that has the right pacing and the right color grade and the right music, I can bring you into an emotion pretty readily. The ability of um, audio video to bring emotion into a person is incredibly powerful. So that's one element of it but there is another element that seems to be that I don't exactly have my finger on here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like, um, something moves through it, that it's, it's not very tangible because if you break it down on its parts, there's still something missing that you know is there. But, and here I'm, I'm, I'm going to detach myself from being like the quote unquote author of this thing, because I have enough, uh, um, temporal distance from its creation, that I think okay. I can just look at it maybe a bit more objectively. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm, well, you know, Jurodowski, Alejandro Jirodowski, uh he said famously that art should be the drug or art is the drug. And, you know, that stayed with me um, as did this notion that art or any piece of media has the ability to change consciousness. Or to affect consciousness, mm. or to at least touch consciousness in a, in a way that is deeper than the surface level symbolic signals that we share with each other, that sort of collapse into uh, familiar symbols that we have auto scripts about already. And so, something about coming up with reimagining some of those symbols and introducing them to an audience. I think offers a fresh reframing of certain cliched subjects and very familiar subjects so that then we can kind of rewire our relationship with these topics and see them anew. And so um, within this, I like to use the word tapestry for this film, which is sort of an audiovisual experience or journey. This tapestry and a barrage of, of kind of merciless images it's something that i utilized uh on purpose and actually had this written on my cork board beside me as i worked it was something like i hope i i hope i have this like little note somewhere i I need to keep it as a memento but it was something like the something i think merciless was in it (laughs) relentless merciless etc um because i felt that i feel that we as human beings, as we develop and as we choose to develop, because many of us don't choose to, and we sort of like go into the cycles of patterns, uh, but as we develop consciously, we tend to um, cling on to the familiar. You know, there's uh, less cognitive effort. There's less um, uncertainty. So familiarity is, is very inviting and comforting, and you know, and the, very entropic and, and, and <laughs> wonderful for the degenerative sort of like... Uh, laziness that, that all of us have and so something about this barrage i wanted it to really hit deep and then hit again and again and again right so that it it actually landed somewhere instead of sort of like uh, offering an image and then gently you know offering another one and inviting it it was more like this and this and this and now this <laughs> and so as a yeah doing that in an appealing visual way that that what was was inviting to a mainstream audience i think was my sort of uh the pill within which i i I offered it to the audience so you know i did i did look at (laughs) did look at advertising i did look at some of the sneakier aspects of uh how some of my fellow artists kind of like sell their souls and make money out of their beautiful craft and i sort of took some of those signals and put them in in shadow for what i think is a is maybe a more constructive reason.
0: There's so much there, and that was so beautifully articulate as well. The idea that the art should be the drug, that art can change consciousness in the way
2: that eating a mushroom could. Mm. That's incredible. And I think, I
0: guess that resonates with me when I'm trying to put my finger on the thing that I couldn't quite tell. I'm like, this is a video, but it makes me feel like in a way that videos haven't before. So mm. maybe it worked. Maybe I ate the mushroom there. Um <laughs> Um yeah that's incredible that really resonates with me and kind of sets me off on a wormhole excellent i i would love to hear from you what in shadow is about cuz sure. i could tell you what i think it's about but i would love to hear from you what is that what is that about i also just before i hear that I just want to reflect on a couple of those things that you just said the the idea that the thing that you made or the word that you had was relentless or merciless is something that came through for me for sure that it was a barrage that it was that it was just ringing the bell repeatedly to the point that like i almost want to plug my ears it's loud it's very loud it's very pointed uh-huh. and it's also i just the power
2: that illustration has to connect viscerally it surpasses my
0: head uh-huh it goes past my head. It goes straight through my eyes and into my, like, I feel it. I don't think it, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
0: I feel it and I don't think it. Um, Because, you know, the cliche is that a picture is worth a thousand words.
3: Yeah.
0: And so you've got, my guess is something like in 13 minutes, probably like 120 different illustrations. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: And so, you know, 120,000 words (laughs) just to use the cliche and do the arithmetic of the cliche. That's a, that's a huge amount of, it's a huge amount of, phenomenon, social, cultural phenomenon that you are observing, that you are uh, reflecting on, that you are having an a observation and an opinion on in a really short, condensed amount of time that bypasses my thinking head and lands somewhere more in my feeling centers and I feel it. It's also just animated in a very dark way. It really gets the point across. And so I think now I'm ready to hear what the point is from your perspective.
1: Oh, the, the question that I can never quite answer myself. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So speaking about the images, I just want to share an insight that just occurred to me as you were speaking. And, and these kinds of insights keep progressively occurring and, and happening to me as I have these kind of conversations about the piece in hindsight. And it's something about the condensed nature of an image, which signals directly a whole bunch of um meanings and 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 there's a whole bunch of information that generally if we were to read an essay or a book or even listen orally to someone um, extract something. We sort of like we it takes us time and it, it's a bit, the process is a bit slower when we read, when we listen. So there's something about the image and it's the sequence of images that directly transmit a whole bunch of these meanings one after the other, that the cumulative effect creates a more holistic picture, I think, of a situation or the situation, which then gives us a new sort of zoomed out perspective briefly that we don't always. We are not always able to, to have. Um, so I don't know if I'm expressing that well because I'm I'm actually thinking, I'm, I'm thinking about it as I as I speak it, but uh, I think it's yeah, an intimate, an, an intimate relationship to these themes strung together in a concentrated way. And I think the impact of that is a, is is perhaps what a lot of people are feeling as a As a more comprehensive view of something that may be happening right now, but yeah:
0: yeah, and i I think to to add on to that and connect it back to something you said earlier, was that the images that you're showing they're they're condensed, but they're also tied to the the word you used earlier was auto scripts that the things that you're showing people, people already have the scripts. They already have the feelings in them. They already have the fear of that thing. They already like the, the thing that you're showing them is not a new thing. You are bringing something in them up.
1: Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's already, there's already a well of content there that they can access. Exactly. So, yeah, the, the cognitive uh, understanding process is not overloaded. And so we can just keep sailing forward. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I guess to, to answer your question of what is it and what is it about, one way to say, you know what, like if you ask me five minutes later, I can, I'll probably answer a different way. But, um, well, it's about the the development of the, of one's sovereign consciousness in our current world. Uh, what does that mean? It is, it is about seeing the relationship between the inner and the out, outer world and the emergence of a autonomous, sovereign state of awareness, which realizes everything as part of itself, only after it has seen it clearly through experiencing the pain and anguish of um, seeing that which was was previously unrecognized, which had previously by virtue of being unrecognized was driving the behavior and the uh, forward momentum of of the self and of the collective self. And that's the unconscious self. And sorry, I'm not using proper terminology, psychological terminology here. I'm just sort of like riffing on this. So, uh, so, <laughs> so, so it's it's this rebirthing process of uh, dormant, sleepy consciousness based upon patterns, uh, collective patterns and personal patterns which interpenetrate each other, and the eventual uh, and inevitable. Uh, collapse of those patterns because they're not self-sustaining they cannot be because they're not connected to a transcendent source of creativity and um by virtue of the breakdown and courageous opening to that breakdown and the courageous opening to what is beyond these patterns uh, it is the the awakening of the full and complete potential of the human being as a private single entity and as a collective being a being as part of the collective a sovereign being that taps into the sovereignty of all others to form to realize themselves as as really as the the divine process manifesting itself into a material existence so maybe that's a too ambitious of a description for the film but (laughs) that's what i'm feeling right now
0: i don't think it is i don't think it is i think that's It's interesting because it's. You're describing a. I hear you describing your metaphysics.
1: Yeah.
0: I hear you describing your worldview. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: And so. When I watch in shadow, I think I am seeing the, it's almost you're sculpting. You're, you're starting to remove, you're starting to illuminate the darkness, what isn't. You're starting to say, this is currently what it, what we're seeing that isn't the human being revealing itself as the transcendent divine process.
1: Beautiful. Yes.
0: And so the reality that that lands in me as scary and dark um, is pretty reasonable, I think.
1: Absolutely. It's a very scary and dark proposition. Okay. So,
0: I think you just gave me like a hundred second version of your metaphysics there. And I would love like a, a 500 second version of that, like the things that you're seeing in the world and what it might look like if we were closer to the bullseye. Mm. Because it really is like I, I like I watched it and I was like, oh my god, this is like this is a deep cultural observation, mm. a deep cultural observation, and when I realized it was a person, it was from Lubomir who was so so closely endorsed by Peter and Daniel. I was like oh my god i have to talk to this person
1: <laughs> i like that closely endorsed that is true i like that terminology personally yeah <laughs> yeah good good man um yeah let's let's do the 500 word or 500 second uh, version of that for sure and thanks that's really interesting that you you're framed it that way it's true i guess it is a uh, it's it, it is my metaphysics outlined and sort of some sort of blueprint that was, you know, came out three years ago and it's emerging in complexity for me as, as, as more information and data comes out from, from reality as it constantly mirrors my own experience and everyone else's collective experience of this beautiful journey. And, you know, my anticipation of uh, this moment in history was based upon readings and, and hearing and listening and observing Many other, like wise human beings, um, anticipation, their observations that something was imminent and something was happening, and you know perhaps that happens every generation to some extent, and perhaps this is bigger than all of the other generations combined. I don't know, but regardless, I am totally open to um, subscribing to, to this mythological framework because it really gives a lot of body and depth and meaning to my own journey. And if I am to, you know, this is sort of like the highest metaphysics personally that I can subscribe to at the moment. And it gives me, it fuels me with a noble sense of purpose of, uh, truly facing, you know, the mythological darkness within me first, and also, uh, purifying that to the degree that I see it outside of me. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'm going anywhere with that, but I just enjoyed that. I enjoyed
0: saying it. So <laughs> no, I think that's, a, I think that's an incredibly important part of what you're doing is the myth and there's so much power in that. And I think most people have seen a movie that contains a myth, but don't recognize the power of myth and humanity. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, you know, for, yeah, I, I think the fact that I committed the time, energy, resources, and um, an effort and discipline into making this happen is, I, I, I yeah, I really committed to, to the reality that something may be happening. And why did I need to express that to other people? Because I, I could have kept it to myself. And I'm still sort of navigating that and seeing how much of that what is genuine what's it authentic in me that needs to communicate to others um looking at my lower self <clears throat> i've been toying with the idea in some moments where i see the part of the less noble impulses are you know like snap out of it we have a lot of work to do because if you don't wake up then it's going to be more difficult for me okay. and so there's that element And I think a lot of the waking people up, quote unquote, waking people up comes from that place. So that's a reality. And also, I'd like to think, and and I do sense that that is also part of it, is is this deep, um, I think, emerging camaraderie, which it's emerging for me because the the degree to which I get in right relationship with myself and I can be in right relationship to other human beings in an honest way that is uh, less needy, less... um, requiring of them to validate my experience, my egoic, you know, constructs, et cetera. So the more of that that comes online, the more I have this genuine need to communicate what I feel is important, vital, and true to others. And also to go on a communal journey uh, of ascent, right? To, to, to climb Jacob's ladder to uh, greater and greater experiences and to dance this beautiful, um, you know, horrible, terrifying, and also like sublime, mm-hmm. sublime dance together because um, the other option is, is quite poor. It's very impoverished. It's spiritually bankrupt. It's morally depleted. It's like, it's completely, <laughs> completely unsatisfying. Um, so, and that's not the only reason. There's just sort of a, a, a higher attractor that I feel many of us are being pulled toward and the question right now is there's something, there's a calling, and we're framing it in different ways. And we're trying to figure out what is it and what do we do about it? What are the steps? Where do we agree? Where do we disagree? And it, it, it's very interesting what's happening within the spirit that you are particularly immersed in, it seems. Um, but yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: I love this idea of the like the higher attractor pattern that seems to be pulling on all, on that seems to be pulling on us. I think yeah. that it's something that pulls on me and it pulls on you. I think that's something we have in common.
1: Yeah. And of course there's the negative attractor pattern <laughs> which is is much of that which which uh is the calcifying materializing densifying aspect of 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 manifest existence which is a necessary um, polar opposite to this higher attractor because it shows us everything that we are not that is an illusion that is false that needs to be almost like spiritualized Mm -hmm. in that attractor That's, I think, what is being unraveled right now, and that is what is in quote-unquote shadow. That's what is in shadow uh, right now. So being able to recognize, shine a light on the weeds, then pluck them and create space to plant new seeds for a healthy garden of our own choosing, aligned with the principles of nature, is kind of one way to see the game right now. And those weeds... (laughs) are um, those weeds are actually teaching us a lot about the soil they're teaching us about the landscape and the fact that they exist makes us walk over to them see them examine them and open that space up right so it's kind of like thank you for that Uh, thank you for serving your purpose even though it's painful to see you and it sucks touching you and like it actually makes me disgusted and whatever else comes with that it's kind of like oh but the disgust and the nastiness and the sorrow, whatever, all those things are part of the unified experience. And now that I'm familiarizing myself with all those, the spectrum of that negativity, I'm mapping out the full spectrum of this experience. And without mapping that out, there's no way I can know the other, and I'll just call them the higher aspects of consciousness. So um, the shadow is here. For us to fully uh, look at integrate work with learn from and transform a sort of the ferment as the dung that transforms into a beautiful plant that then nourishes us you know so yeah it's interesting this this weed allegory just came out of i (laughs)
0: love it i love it dude that's hitting the nail so hard on the head right there Um, i love that i i wanted to right as you started that i was like oh double click i want to double click on what is in shadow right now
3: cool. what is
0: in shadow cool.
3: um,
0: that's the the concept of in shadow isn't an anecdote uh an allegory a metaphor of its own cool. the idea that the shadow is the weeds cool. Yeah, I think you know the film you made illuminates so much of that. It's relentless in that, it's merciless in that. It's like, this is the shadow right here. This is an example of it. This is an example of it. This is what it looks like. This is what people's faces look like when they're just in the shadow. Oh, this is what it looks like when the red box of other people's shadow is just controlling their consciousness completely.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's crazy. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like we're circling around this fucking thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There is a power in myth There is a power in story, in metaphor, in allegory. Is it that it, what is it? How is it? And I feel like this is so connected to the power that, you know, I keep asking you about, like what's the power of your, this particular medium that's not just animation, it's not just film, but it's illustration it's no dialogue, it's no titles, it's no lyrics. I feel like that in some way in the realm of film is tied to or related to the power of myth. There's like something that myth bypasses in us. And there's also something in animation that bypasses a different part of us. Yeah. And it allows us to kind of like take steps on what otherwise would be a very slick slope.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, I, I can share some thoughts on that. There's two things that I wanted to, to, to speak about. One is there seems to be an interactive component of In shadow, even though as an audience member, it seems that we're passive we are constantly communicating with the media. And mm-hmm. I think the absence of any descriptive tools like narrative, uh, narration, dialogue, uh, or anything like that, asks the audience to to be along in the journey and piecing it together because it's not readily apparent, right? So that means from shot to shot, you have to really engage and be a bit of a detective in what may be happening. And mm-hmm. sometimes... I know to people are, so that engagement is actually activating part of the audiences. So I, as an audience member, I'm now on the journey and I'm invested. So instead of just receiving, I am receiving and also like grabbing and mm-hmm. touching. And that aspect, I think uh, activates both the, the active and the passive, the masculine, mm-hmm. and the feminine aspects and unites us into what, converges at the end into that invitation of the polarities come together with, you know, the sword to create the new, the new human, which is really divine essence itself, but regardless. So I think it's the active, that active component. And then the second part is, uh, you know, as the wonderful work of the comparative mythologists of the last century have shown us is that there seems to be a blueprint, a collective map, of the ascent of consciousness within human beings that is cross-cultural. So, you know, just to repeat what we already know, it's worth just putting it out there is the, the collective unconscious has, has these steps in its evolutionary journey. And so that mythological framework, in my opinion, from the point of view of an artist, but also just as a human being, I think needs to be revivified and it needs new, new creative breath to be, put into it every generation, or every five to 10 years probably, maybe even more, now the time is accelerating, I think every month. But uh, that, in, so that it touches upon the modern cultural language. And it's just those steps are now uh, presented within a, a cultural framework that is readily evident to the human beings living at that time. And so perhaps parts of shadow have some of that underworld aspect, and the aspect of of challenging one's own complicity um, in in this big game and overcoming that, this monstrosity that seems to be emerging, the monstrosity, you know, we can get into what that is, but it's this oppressive force that we are somehow complicit in Mm -hmm. by virtue of being able to be oppressed. That means we have qualities that are oppressible Mm -hmm. (laughs) and qualities that are not activated that are indomitable right so so um i think it's maybe the, so just to go back into what you said the active element of being a participant in the journey of in shadow in addition to the rough mythological framework that is already inherently part of each human being that is then activated i think is a beacon that's like it's 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 a, 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 a homing signal of like mm this this feels right this feels real activate now (laughs) so and, and that's you know that's that's maybe wishful thinking of me by me as an artist but i have had that reflected to me by by many audience members who have you know reflected some of those like strong reactions that have changed their course and you know that's like more than i could have asked for for putting my efforts in there but yeah i think that's all i have to say about that
0: No wonder you're making such amazing films are incredibly insightful and very articulate. Each time you go on your 120 second spiels, there's like 15 things I could, I could draw reflections on. The first thing there is that
2: this unconscious this unconscious is developing. One of the things
0: that I see, or I guess to to contextualize what I'm reflecting on here, you said that the, the unconscious is developing and it needs new breath breathed into it in every generation so that, Essentially, we can recognize it. And it's important to be able to, you know, you said generation, then you broke it down maybe five or 10 years or maybe even every month.
2: I hear that the goal here would be that as our
0: culture continues to change so rapidly and we're like moving on this exponential course here, that it becomes of greater import that we are able to recognize and draw relational lines to the development of the unconscious, the shadow itself, to the elements of our culture that actually are physically manifest in it whether that be an idea or a piece of technology or a behavior or a symptom or yada, yada. Right. And the fact that it takes an artist like you three years to do something like this, right. Because I assume that you did this as a passion project. You poured your own time, resource, energy into this.
2: Yeah. So I totally agree that we need artists
0: to be breathing life into this, to be drawing. It's It's amazing how almost scrambled and clear my head feels right now. Um, it's incredible that artists have this amazing ability to draw these lines so viscerally in us Right. Because, you know, how many times could the news possibly say that the suicide rate in college age people is just growing at a incredibly alarming rate that we're so soaked in dopamine from our devices that like the good in the world is not working on us.
1: Mm. Well said.
0: Right. It's like we have broken the jars of our souls so that the things that used to fill us up now just leak out and we just need more of them and more of them in the flow. We just can't make a flow fast enough for our cups to overflow like that. Mm. It's amazing the power that artists have to, illuminate exactly what you're talking about to breathe life into and draw new and more accurate relational lines between the shadow elements of human consciousness and our human motivations and the physical things that manifest in our world. You also mentioned something that earlier that was the crystallization, the calcification of the material world versus the almost ethereal development of this higher calling. Uh-huh. And you suggested that those cal- those things that are being calcified need a re-spiritualization. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I thought that was uh, amazing. And
0: the delineation that my head drew very quickly right then was there's a, the polar opposites there are commodification and spiritualization.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: And yeah. so much of what is in the film is. the illustration of people's attention and minds and consciousness being commodified
1: mm.
2: captured.
1: Yes. Captured. Commodified. Yeah. Mm.
2: So yes. much of what we're seeing right now is this downstream
0: effects of all of this capture, you know, the, In my own life, just realizing and having to live with the neurological development, the neurological relics of growing up in this time where my attention and my identity and my tribal belonging was all hijacked by something that was purported to give me those things, but was actually designed to produce revenue based on my attention. Mm. So I can delete the apps off of my phone, but the emptiness remains.
2: Mm.
1: And the emptiness is a gate. It's a wonderful invitation. Tell me more. Well, <laughs> there are different qualities of emptiness, right? There's the emptiness, which I presume I understand what you're saying is the emptiness of maybe a certain lack of dissatisfaction and, and a little bit of a maybe disorientation of what now? What is mm-hmm. here without without the you know. The thing that I, I just realized i was being farmed mm-hmm. i was a resource and and i was functioning on, on, on patterns that seemed comfortable to a degree up to the point where they no longer worked and they collapsed mm-hmm. and now there's this thing here that seems like me but it's in suffering and so there's that emptiness and again i don't want to overlay on that ex- your experience but i'll just since i'm speaking i'll just take it from there and and I'm, a, I'm familiar with that experience. And then, um, and then there's like the higher order of the other emptiness, which is the, the emptiness of, of the actual fullness and completeness of all. But within that emptiness, we are in touch and, and understanding and in communion with all. And by virtue of having integrated all, it also feels empty, but it also feels full. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Anyway, that's kind of like a complex philosophical little mm-hmm. knot there. And I don't know that it's really practical now, but I just, I guess that I was inspired to speak about it. But, but the gate, the gate, when you said that, I don't know, the image of a gate emerged as in like, okay, so these things that were useful at some point are no longer useful or satisfying. And in fact, my consciousness has peered beyond their machinations and seeing that they're not, they're not coming from the, the best intentions. Now, this realization itself is a gate that we can walk through uh, to find, to expand and to to have personal agency and to have choice. And I think the gate is actually choice as opposed to reactivity. Mm -hmm. Reactivity comes from functioning out of patterns, formative patterns that require the certain satisfaction from the world uh, based on our formative wounds and, or, or just bad habits that sort of coalesced into whatever, like poor habits and, and again, entropy. And so the gate now is like, oh, wait, I have created some space here with this, this, the novelty of this new emptiness. There's some space. And within this space, instead of reactivity, I actually have choice. And I can start choosing how to organize my experience uh, and how to actually frame and define things. Mm-hmm. And maybe I can start choosing. And first I need to see that perhaps outside definitions are creating my perception of reality. And now I can probably sweep these definitions out of the way of events, of people, of situations, of phenomena. And I can start really looking into the events, people, situations, and phenomena and creating my own definitions based on the reality of what I'm experiencing. And I think this is actually the collective process that we're going through now. Mm. And what I'm seeing is a, a very powerful series of forces and especially a centralized force, which, um, seeks to, and again, this could be an unconscious, it's, it's a, in my opinion, it's a combination of a conscious force and then systems of human beings that function under certain precepts that are, uh, Putting this huge net over over the ability of human beings to choose their experience, and are being really uh, coerced by using the remnants of their lowest emotions that they haven't developed, using those to capture them in a system of disempowerment, um, de-individuation, de-evolution, mm-hmm. etc. So, but it's also that that is only happening because I think so many people are so much of consciousness is now at that gate being like, wait, I'm not satisfied with everything. And I'm a little bit more grown up now from that. And I'm ready to start choosing. And this unconscious force of evolution, which is necessary is saying, hell no, you're not choosing anything. You're actually, here's the only choice. And like, you know, Trying to swallow as many people into it as as possible. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm being vague here, but you know, the time the time is a, is a is a very interesting one. You know, for this huge, huge crisis and various crises that are happening.
0: I love this idea that it's a gate, and in my head, the image that is building is. That it's actually just the frame of a doorway. But it's profoundly inflamed and just huge flames just off it in all directions. And the version of me that stands on one side of it has these big barnacles that have been latched onto me and that have grown into me and have tapped into my bloodstream, but they aren't me. And to walk through this gate is to let these things be burnt away from me. And to have them burnt away from me, to have the, these things that, were sold to me as me and improvements on me. They were upgrades, aftermarket upgrades to have these things cut and burnt off and cauterized and without any kind of anesthesia whatsoever. That seems to be the... experience that i'm imagining and the experience that i'm having or the experience that i'm refusing and i think it's all of those things yeah i think i'm both going through it and i'm refusing it there's moments where i really face it and i really like do it and there's other times where i'm just infuriated that I have any screen in my life at all.
1: Yeah. I can relate to that. Yeah. And my, my feeling on this based on personal reflection is that, that, you know, that I, that you're speaking of, I doing this in these moments and I doing that in these moments, I think it's, different eyes that come online Uh and those different eyes have different needs or different uh, requirements and you know different kind of grievances and a list of whatever views and they're all tapped into the eyeness of your core eye and it's for me my process right now is identifying those eyes identifying their list of requirements and kind of like inviting them into the center and kind of disciplining them or integrating them or uh, Uh being kind to them. And yeah, and I find that helpful. Name a few. Name a few. Uh, Well, there is the one that needs to be uh, just satiated by distraction, by consumption. And that may be the eye that's uh, the dopamine creation it could be an emergent eye from social, the social media age, or it could just be an eye that is avoidant of what is here now, and it seeks to distract, right? And that's even without social media, that probably would have been there.
0: It's, right? it's a part of you that evolutionarily may just want to protect you, to give you reprieve, to give you time, to allow you to relax.
1: Yeah. Yeah, or like as we're discovering with some theories that I agree with on ADD, for instance, is uh, being so overwhelmed by stimuli, negative stimuli that the psyche needs to protect itself by quick distractions with other stimulus. Mm-hmm. right So there's an element of that. But I agree with your point, though, uh, we do need rest and do we do need recuperation. so, Well,
0: I just imagine that if there's any part of me that's hijackable, it is a real part that was, that serves a purpose to begin with. And it's not that it's, it's not that it's a bad part of me. It's just being veiled and it's being misled. It's being, it's given, it's been, it's being given a job that it shouldn't be doing.
1: Mm. I like that. Yeah. I hear that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I really like your visualization of walking through the gate with the barnacles and then coming off. I actually think that's a useful visualization for one to go through. Uh, I think that's something you can actually develop as an offering. And it feels like it's already there. But feeling that the, the symbolic nature of the gate is already part of our collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. So I think that's already tapped into into our psyche, and walking through it while feeling, having a felt experience of what these barnacles are and what they're attached to, having that experience as part of us, and as we walk through, having the experience of those dissolving, I think is an excellent exercise to do. I think uh, I think there's something there.
0: Mm. Yeah, as we as you say that i have a very close friend his name is sketchy andy lewis so one of the greatest base jumpers and slackliners of all time he has on a number of occasions burned himself branded himself and as i think about as I think about what it would feel like to have those barnacles off of me, I imagine it would be like branding, that there would be some relic left on me that would forever remind me that there was something there that didn't belong. And now what is left is a big scar it's a Ooh. reminder. Because I, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want to be barnacled. Yes. But the scary part about walking through that fire is that there are barnacles on me that I know aren't me. But the scary and and those I, I'm ready to be without. But the scary part is the parts that will be burnt away that I thought were me. Mm. If I walk through the fire, what else will go? Because the parts that I don't want, great, fucking burn them. Yeah. But what about the parts that I like? Which ones of those will be burnt off?
1: Mm. Good question. So does that still make you willing to, to go through the gate?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Are you still willing to lose those the parts that you like to be purified all the way?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps that requires a bit of a slower journey of burning away. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe we have a set of gates.
0: Maybe it's like a tunnel.
1: Maybe it's a tunnel with yeah, so checkpoints of uh, (laughs) letting go. Yeah, Yeah. Mm. yes, and uh, a little bit of a decompression space in between each each gate within the tunnel. Mm.
0: Where you gonna play FIFA (laughs) and watch movies?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And the barnacles start growing back, (laughs) 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 and then the tunnel just like gets longer. It just gets a little bit longer. (laughs) Well, I mean, Uh, yeah, you're just describing life, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Yeah, hmm, very interesting. This is fun to jam with you on. There's a couple things that I, the opening shot of In Shadow, starts with an orb, Mm -hmm. and the orb splits into. three orbs and then the camera zooms out to reveal infinite space
3: <laughs>
0: and the universe. My intuition when I watch this is that there's more meaning per shot than I can actually, than I grasp. Yeah. So let me behind the scenes here on that particular shot and tell me the embedded meaning that that represents for you.
1: Certainly. Um, With that shot in particular, I feel like words are quite poor, but it will signal the direction that I was going there. So I'll be very concise with this. I wanted to start from the monad. how it's represented really by this mundane sphere.
0: The monad?
1: The monad, the the unity, the oneness, the 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 one element of... Let's just say the one. I think I'll leave it at that uh and that one splits into three which is the in one way you can phrase this in so many ways and like cross-culturally it has very insightful framings but one way to say it is the passive the active and the unifying so it's the trinity of creation which is the triad that is present within so it's the two polarities which are required for existence in the spectrum of existence to create to happen but for the new to be created it needs to be subsumed into the unification of those two in a higher third mm-hmm. and that third now becomes the the, the next element and, and so on and so on and so this triple um triple force that manifests and and sort of like the ev- evolution of, of of matter of things of consciousness then um goes into the creation of this infinite iterations from, so from the monad, from the seed sprout out, based on this creative principle, the, the stars are just the, the, this representation of space. And somewhere in there, there's this entity on Earth that is oddly shaped as a, as a cube. And somewhere within all this creation, we tune into what is happening with this one aspect of this create, Creation. And then we go into the journey of Enchado. Mm. in this particular cube. What are these, these permutations of the triad doing here? How are they playing this game? And in the end, what is the eventuality that you know the the piece presents for, for, for them? What happens at the end? It's well, it sees itself for what it is. At the at the apex, it opens its eyes and realizes mm-hmm. the game. So um, that's that's kind of like the, the simple simple introduction to it.
2: There's also
0: some things you've been making recently about digital surveillance. Hmm. I'd love to hear just. Your 100 second bit on the current state of digital surveillance and what the risk is.
1: Oh man, 100 seconds, yeah. This, this is the thing right now. Well, digital surveillance taps into a lot of other uh, veins of activity, which are the archetype of shadow right now is really expanding and in, in, in this really interesting complexity. So digital surveillance uh, really taps into digital management of human beings and digital management of all resources on the planet, right? So we have numerous think tank papers and UN and other agendas coming from very intelligent people with billions of dollars being put into creating this digital infrastructure around the world right now which is not just, it's surveilling people right now on a more mundane level, but the infrastructure is being built and created by, again, very intelligent people with a lot of resources to map out all biometrics. <clears throat> and later through a uh, receiver and uh, trans- transmitting and receiving devices and aggregates of nanotechnology, I'm going to go a little deep, and, but not all the way, uh, that, that um will be able to, Uh, track uh, movements of of, of thought patterns, emotional patterns, and biological, physical patterns on a blockchain technology. And again, that's being proposed right now. that blockchain technology will be tapped into a social credit system, which will monitor all these functions within human beings, within a smart city grid system with smart appliances and an internet of things of objects and human beings tapped into a hive mind, right? That's not a transcendent entity of divine order, but a devolved entity of of, of human creation, which is aberrant. And it's it's an aberration of the transcendent temples. And it unifies human beings in in the underworld, under a hive mind, as opposed to unifying them in the transcendent world over with the sovereignty of individuals coming together out of choice, and so this wave of unconsciousness right now is sweeping over us. And it's very interesting to see how it progresses and how many people are saying no to it and how. And so the danger is I see it as actually everything because the evolution of one soul, of, of the spirit as it moves through so, and the evolution of consciousness and its immaculate manifestation within human beings if people those people who allow themselves to be put under these systems of smart city megaliths and be managed as resources and be traded on human bond capital like human capital markets which is something that's being implemented as well based on their like interactivities uh that will basically be will spell huge disaster of um our mutual evolution. It's sort of a, it's a very dark proposition right now. And I think some people are tapping into the implications of this. It's just that all the data needs to be looked at. So the comprehensive picture can emerge for, for the perceiver. But uh, some people are seeing this and are quite alarmed by it. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people are not seeing it because it's too broad and too dark to, to imagine. But um, all the pieces are there. It's just a matter of how, how many of us do not allow this to move through us. And that means through our behavior, through our thoughts, through our emotions. Uh, And how do we create something analogous to that that is much more powerful, much more beautiful, much more inspiring for people to tune into? And I think this is where the vanguard of creative human beings will emerge in all industries and all aspects of life to offer um, a communal and an alternative structure that we can tap into. So I don't know if this is probably more than you asked for. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh,
0: you are an astute cultural observer and you put lots of pieces together very well. And I can tell that you have a, both a fear of the collective shadow and a deep reverence for the collective transcendence of human consciousness. So My question is, what is your responsibility? What is yours to do here? It seems like you found your medium. And before we started recording, you said that you're doing a dance between the commercial work that you can do and trying to have time and resource and energy to do meaningful work. So what is the we could go broad what is the role of artists here that vanguard of creative humans that you just referred to or your personal direction as to what's next and how you're gonna try to leave your you know do your do meaningful work
1: yeah for sure yeah so there are two aspects i think the primary one is me as showing up as a human being, as an individual, taking responsibility for all of my actions, all of my thoughts, emotions, and show the way I show up in my reality locally. So that's with my family, friends, neighbors, and everyone around me. Uh, that's number one to me. And everything flows out of that because if that is not aligned, then my work will not be authentic and it cannot be authentic. Uh, and in fact, it's my work is only a reflection of how I show up as a conscious human being here within this web of conscious knowns. So that's number one. When I have that, that right, then everything flows out of that and everything else. In this case, uh, to based on your question is, how do I contribute? How do I provide? How do I serve as an artist? So I've acquired and I've worked on a, a skill set in the visual medium. And I am slowly able to extricate myself with the help of more people coming online to potentially fund projects that are meaningful. So that alleviates the more mundane aspects of having to make a living um, and combines them with the artistic vision of serving a greater purpose. Now this is taking time and I don't know that it will fully uh, kind of come together, but I'm seeing it happening. So um, that means I can spend 100 time, 100% of my creative efforts on making something meaningful, as opposed to finding pockets of energy outside of work to do something which has not really been available. Um, because as I said, what's more important to me is my, how I show up in my personal life. And that's where I've tried to put my time outside of my, my quote-unquote work. It's the so, soil. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's kind of the whole thing of like put your life jacket. I think a lot of people have been using it lately, but put your life jacket on first before you help your neighbor or your uh-huh. so, so yeah, I'm seeing some some things are happening right now. The 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 film that I'm working the short film that I'm working on right now is not something I would have chosen entirely, but it kind of chose me too. So I made I, I'm making it as meaningful as I can. It's a short film that is going to be about the social credit score system. It's a sci-fi dystopian short. Um, it's a little bleak. That's why I'm saying if, I wouldn't have made it if it was fully up to me. But based on the, based on like the structure of what we're making, their series of short films is it's what had to be done. But uh, yeah, it addresses the virtual reality realm, how consciousness interface with interfaces with virtual reality. What is addressing simulated reality, virtual reality and simulated reality in this simulation and actual reality. And I'm starting to explore the themes that are very fascinating to me, which is um, organic and synthetic reality, organic and synthetic humanity, organic and synthetic thought and being. And Mm -hmm. because this bifurcation I think is happening right now with uh, the transhumanist urge to this sort of a, the tendency to despise the human form, to see it as weak. Um, and this is a view coming from ignorance and fear of life, in my opinion, needing to constantly enhance with outside augmentation and technology out of human folly, um, instead of looking at the, the, the inability, the power, and the full spectrum of gifts that we have as human beings, which we don't, haven't even like scratched the surface of. And so what is it to be of nature? What is it to be of man-made technology? What is it to be of uh, open to the life force courses through us? And what is it to be closed in the technological loop of program thinking and being? Um, so those are some things that I'm exploring with this short film. And then after that, there's something I feel, I almost don't wanna say it because I don't wanna um, empty it of, of life force. But I, I have hope, good high hopes for it, and I think it's very necessary. But we'll see if it if I'm able to with the partners around it to to come together and manifest it in reality, because you know how it is when we have something here and here and bringing that out so that it's now like a thing in physical reality that's shareable. That whole process is fascinating. Uh, but we'll see if we can we can make it make it happen successfully, because I think then it will be a, an excellent follow-up digital spell to Enshadow. Uh, mm. so that's to be determined. I remain hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> Good, me too. But yeah, my intention is strong with it. Good, yeah. yeah, well,
0: it's been wonderful talking to you
1: today. Yeah, you too Ari, thanks man. So I, I really enjoyed your, your thoughtful approach of absorbing the moment and and responding adequately Mm.
0: there's a lot to respond to there's a lot to respond to and yeah like (laughs) like i said interesting to feel so scattered and clear in the same conversation so many things so many things Um, the only thing that i had that we didn't get to today was pinocchio hmm and cool. I um, listened to another podcast that you were on where you guys were talking about Pinocchio. You mentioned that that was one of your favorite myths. Yeah. And I think we're going to save that one. I'd love to talk to you again. Um, so let's talk again in a couple of weeks and we'll get to Pinocchio.
1: Beautiful. Let's do it. Caleb, thank you so much, brother. My right, brother. Thank you very much. Have a beautiful-
0: Have- yeah. You too, man. You
1: too. Talk wow. soon. Talk soon.
0: Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Lubomir. I hope that you will now go back and watch his film once again. It wasn't until the third time that I watched it that it really, really sunk in. I think the first couple of times I watched the film, I was almost overwhelmed with the negative. And it was almost as if I wasn't as receptive to the reunion in the end of the film the beauty in the end of the film the ascension of human consciousness that is possible that is the story told in all of our great wisdom traditions east and west this the possibility and the beauty of reconciliation ascension so beautiful thank you so much lubomir Thanks, everybody. If you like this podcast, please, again, consider supporting on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash in the air. That is the fuel that fires this whole damn machine. I don't want to have any advertisers. I take all of the monetization off of my YouTube channel. I just want the people who enjoy this show to be the people who support it. So please consider. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Love you.